Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. My career path, my, my life story is quite unusual because it doesn't go like one straight line like this. It's kind of like zigzaggy. Many other Asian parents, they wouldn't let their children study art, right? <laughs> art doesn't make any money. Art's not going to help you get rich. Um, I cannot picture myself wearing suits in a cubicle, working in business, finance, to say then I was like mom dad like I I know you didn't say yes before but my I'm in my third year now I know what I'm doing with my life I'm doing fine until now can I go study design (laughs) I found this university in Japan in the southern island one of my friends in my class already went there and she was like, it's absolutely amazing. It's, you're going to love it. Now you, you're saying that you, you kind of want to change job. Like, do you want me to like pass on your um, CV to a trunk hotel? And then we were just chatting, like doesn't really go anywhere. Then they asked me, do you do social media? And I was like, duh. Hey. And then I was like. Oh, well, I do do this um, account for my dogs, Crumpet and Butter. And then at that point, I think I had about 100,000 followers or something. Wow. So they saw that and they were like, okay, you know what you're doing. First of all, though, about IKEA, 
was how many Swedish meatballs did you eat? Oh my God. Unlimited. Like I can't, <laughs> oh, I, mean, I mean, if I get $1 for every bowl that I ate, that sounds really wrong <laughs> coming out of my mouth now. If people who have open-minded mindset, they will, they will find a way to change their lifestyle. Other than that, they will just stick to that non-work-life balance existence for the rest of their life. It's like explaining really sim uh, in a simple way how NFT works. Is that, you know, like if you own the uh, original, then no matter how many copies that other people have, it, it doesn't have any value. So it's like you can actually sell anything as NFT. You can actually sell this podcast as an NFT and what? let's split if someone buys it. I'm the only Vietnamese person or like just the only person in Vietnam who hasn't been to Dalat. Wait, and what? It, You've never it, been it, to Dalat? Exactly. It's embarrassing, right? Because <laughs> of that reaction that you just gave me right now. It's just like, okay, I might as well just go now. So just don't stop judging me. <laughs> Biscuit's but been to Dalat you... twice. She has a better life than me. <laughs> when I go to Canada and I'm trying to own up to that Asian-ness in, in me and, in, and, and I went to ESL school to study English and I met true Japanese, Koreans, Chinese and Vietnamese from the motherlands. <laughs> and everybody was like, yeah, you're definitely not Asian. My sense of personal space was very French. So I would come and hug people. I would come and like give them kisses to say hello. And in Asia, you don't do this. In Vietnam, you don't come and hug people and be like, hello, and then kiss yeah. them. None of the, the groups were accepting or understanding of, you know, the Asian, like Vietnamese or Chinese or Koreans don't understand immigration because there is no immigration in Asia whatsoever. Mm. And so the word Vicky at that time was more connotated as a traitor of the motherland. When I grew up, I would hear the stories and I feel like every Vicky family have that. Like, you know, we're from a very important family. We're very affluent before the war and things like this. And I was like, yeah, everybody says that, whatever. Like, you know, it's, the, it's the immigrant tell. And then, and, then, and then two weeks ago, I'm like, oh, there is an actual fucking book about it. The first time that I've seen one of my white friends just fucking shouting to his parents, like, I don't care about you, dad. Like, anyway, I want you to die so I can get like your heritage and shit like this. I was like, you can talk to your parents like this. What the fuck? Like, oh my Lord. <laughs> my dad and my brother got into a huge argument in Paris and then I had to go back to kind of like mediate the whole thing. And then at that time, I, long story short, someone offered me crystal meth at a party and I was like, fuck this. Like, you know, I'm going to be that drug addict that, that my father wanted to be. Because usually when you do crystal meth, you do, you do those things for stupid things. So you're stuck focused on that stupid thing for eight hours at a time. And if you smoke more, so it's, it's a never ending. So if it's sex, sex for eight hours, if it's porn, it's porn for eight hours. If it's just reading books, it's books for eight hours. And I also start to feel at home in Vietnam as well. And for me, I realized that the concept of home is not necessarily about the location, but more about who, where do I have people that I feel connected with. So the identity crisis is coming from that at home. Everything was so Vietnamese in terms of values. It was very traditional. My mom told me I should dress this way as a girl. I should study well. I have to work hard and all of that. And when I went outside of the house, everything was so much more fun. Every weekend, like my mom is like asking me, like clean the house. 
uh, why, are, why aren't you helping? You should help me to cook. As a woman, you should know how to cook. So you have to follow me and then learn it by heart. My friends didn't have that. And I'm like, I want to be Hungarian. I don't want to be Vietnamese. <laughs> when I went to Vietnam, everybody just said, oh, she is not from Vietnam. So let her be, let her do her thing. Oh, she do it differently. It's okay. It's fine. She's a, a overseas Vietnamese. She's not like us. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I don't uh, have to <laughs> do whatever my cousins are doing. I came to Vietnam and I spent a little bit of time in Hanoi, but most of my memories is in Hue. And I remember when I was very young, yeah, like five or six years old, I was still having showers in the well, <laughs> like in the back backyard and my other cousins. It was actually really fun. Even though like my family didn't have much money, I was so much more happier for the smaller joys, like one bag of chips for at that time, 500 Vietnamese dong. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like it was the most precious thing ever. I went back over the years to my grandma. I saw that the, the house got modern, like, I don't know, fresher paints and uh, different objects. But somehow the traditions actually remain the same over the years that the surrounding is evolving, but the traditions is still there. It's basically anything that you create from your heart, as simple as that. And it doesn't have to be a painting or a whole music piece. It can be as simple as a podcast, an article that you write, or any ideas that you share on Twitter or somewhere on other channels. I love to help people. I love to help people open up their perspective about life in any aspects. And I started to find ways to, to do that. So my purpose is, is really to help people achieve their full potential. And coaching is only one part of it. But then it also makes me think like, how, what kind of other ways I can find to educate people or help them. What I was mostly surprised about was how freezing cold it was. We went to Sapa and once again, I was just blown away with just how cold. Nobody told me that Vietnam got cold. I thought this is the tropics. What, what's the story? Yeah, I was just amazed at, you know, why hadn't I been here before? Why hadn't I come earlier? But I guess Bali was my biggest draw card from Australia at that time or period of my life. I can remember there was a tour guide on the bus in the trip who said, uh, I just want to let you know that Vietnam is a country. It's not a war. I just want to get that very clear right from the start. That, and I thought, mm, I, must, I must write that down. I might use that sometime in the future. If you know Hoi An at all, you'd be aware that there's the Chubon River that kind of runs through the middle. And, you know, that's where you see all the beautiful lanterns and, you know, they have that kind of twilight hour at night where they take people out. And it's just absolutely beautiful. Around that 2007, you were, you were considered a real pioneer to be going to Vietnam. Wow. How brave are you to go to Vietnam? And I was staying in these absolutely gorgeous boutique <laughs> hotels and I'm going, where's the adventure here? So. You know, there is going to be diehards like me and people maybe who follow my podcast or Facebook pages that will go, I don't care what it's going to look like. I want to get back there and support the country. They've obviously got friends and people they want to catch up again. And, you know, they want to be part of the reboot. If you're prepared to go a little bit deeper, 
you know, get to know the locals. They're so beautiful. They're so helpful. They're so lovely. I mean, being a Buddhist country, mainly just their attitude, just their, their kindness. I always feel uplifted. I always think, you know, I've got a better view of human nature after I've been to Vietnam. I still love coaching. I still love the 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 coaching side and the youth development side but I'm also very very aware of how agents are looked at because I look at them in that way as well <laughs> so it's I I kind of always tried to say that I'm an agent but I'm not like those other agents <laughs> so Glasgow City Council said to me we uh, you can't coach the kids if you don't have coaching qualifications so they very kindly put me through my early coaching badges I kind of got the bug, fell out of love with music and fell head over heels back in love with football. But rather than being on the pitch, it was the closest thing to be kind of on the sidelines. I think Vietnam could qualify for a World Cup, but it's still quite far off. Obviously, I hope that I'm very wrong in that. But I think that if you see how Vietnam played against Oman, how they played against, against Australia and the UAE, they're certainly getting there. It's nice to be have a friendly and it's nice to be nice, but sometimes when it comes to it, fo- football to me is war. It was the way I, I look at the game. My wife, I love her very much, but she supports a different team to me. So when our teams meet head to head, it's war. She knows that. She appreciates that. She feels exactly the same. And he said, yes, no, <laughs> no, I'm from Singapore. And I said, okay, you're from Singapore. You're Ronaldo from Singapore. And he said, yes, I just won the World Cup. I And... Like the real Ronaldo hasn't even won the World Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tori signing for Leighton Orient. And, and then I was discussed on Talk Sport because some random agent that they thought was a joke wasn't really a joke. And <laughs> Yaya's contacted me as he, he's like, What's going on here? And I'm trying to get my club in Vietnam and I'm getting contacted by Talk Sport. I been able to either climb out the rabbit hole or turn the rabbit hole into a tunnel and I've come out the other <laughs> end. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was pretty down there. I was, I was down there with Alice in Wonderland chasing rabbits. <laughs> and you're like, so I know that the fruits of Islam might have had something to do with killing Malcolm X. And I know that Martin Luther King was also shot. So it's not that much of a leap to believe that somebody gave uh, Bob Marley cancer. And it's just, it's so much going on. It was almost like you invented monsters because there wasn't enough monsters around. So, like, there are real bad people in this world. But what was what's the need to invent new monsters when you could actually be doing something in real life? I am such a reformed conspiracy theorist that I enjoy new conspiracy theories purely so I can laugh at the <laughs> absolute ridiculousness of it. If you look at Alfa Romeo um, and Berlusconi has an Alfa Romeo uh, like flower thing in his front garden, uh, like a flower bed, and it's the snake eating a human, which shows that there's a there's a reptilian agenda and black. You can stare at that stuff long enough and make any story you want out of it to fit the narrative. When people look at the Quran and the Hadith, they take these different things because that's what religious people do and they fix it and they change it and they mold it to fit their narrative. And that's no different to what conspiracy theorists do. I think if you look at uh, Lord 
lower income countries, they also don't have time for conspiracy theories because they're too busy to actually survive in the world that they live in. If you have enough time for conspiracy theories, then you should consider yourself (laughs) a really fortunate person. After I have the business breakup, I don't want to do the same thing uh, like he did before. So I want to like expand the business a little bit and have like a a wrench, uh, a bigger space. And then I try to make it like as gay as I can and then as uh, charismatic as I can. I came out very early. I came out when I was 18, I think. So I, and then it's been like 10 years and I can see the, the progress a gay person like living in Saigon even my staff they like in their 20s they're super open about it some of them like oh my god I can't turn gay oh my god I was almost gay and I was like yeah good for you I mean I think gayness turn you down not you turn gayness down the west of, of Vietnam, of the south, and also like in the middle, even like in Hanoi, you know Hanoi, it's like super traditional city. It will be LGBT and the, and the gay people will be looked different for sure because all the people, they, they haven't seen much of us. When I was, I think, 14 at school, and they, they, they gather like all of the students of ninth grade coming to like the school hall. And have one, one, one woman, one teacher, woman talking about like, okay, so the sex is the intercourse between men and women and using your secret part to put in your other secret part. And I was like, oh my God. In this time of internet, you can't stop them from reaching to whatever they want to look for, you know? And the the point of sex education is not to put prevent them to have sex but to make sure that if they have sex it's safe for them we believe in in karma so what we believe the most is karma if you do good things good thing happens to you mm. and if you do bad thing bad things happen to you so we just base on that one thing one rule one biggest rule to decide what we should do to our partner My hometown is Kharkiv, my parents there, my granny there, and I got my tickets to fly to Ukraine. I arrived home on 19. So that time already, of course, for what, two, three, four months, the world was crazy about the invasion and Russia will attack. So I always knew this, this invasion will be happening. But I decided to come first because for the reason that if it happened, I must to be with my family because that is the more important thing that I have now in my life. And I will never forgive myself if I will stay in the safe Vietnam. The father, he keep asking me every evening, you should leave. <laughs> like that was insane. It's like you come back home, they are all happy, you happy. But it's always the same conversation. With, uh, with father and mom, you should go, you should go, you should go. And then father told me that maybe you should take mom this time. My father, as I told you, he wanted to go army, so we didn't know that, but he did. He tried to, he called, they, they called to the office, they want to come. But the office said, we have too many people who want to come. 
we only taking those who have a real experience or know how to do with gun. You are 55 year old guy. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> But go home. <laughs> we will call you. We're sitting in the basement all the time. Even we have internet. We have no idea what happened in the big world. So in my imagination, they were everywhere. So if we go in out from the basement, this is the only safety area you have, like dark corner. We are packing what we packed already, which after that we find out we didn't pack anything for father. <laughs> like we packed something, but nothing important. So we need to shop in for him after we arrive to the Western city. We're shopping for him for survival, socks, underwear, all that we didn't take. But mom take her and I perfume, make. <laughs> All important for survival. The most terrible thing I saw, the most terrible thing I thought was on the border to Ukraine, Poland. That was, I feel like I'm in the movie, but the movie that I, we watching like a Schindler list or something, like the one that you see and thinking, why human doing this to, to each other? I started with a master degree in business, so like an MBA, where you do international business. Because I thought living overseas in different country, learn about business so that I can come back to Vietnam and do business because Vietnam needs more business people. Mm. We need more money so that we can move from developing to develop. There's a lot of Asians in Melbourne, mm. more than in Sydney and other cities. More Chinese, but people don't know that. For Australians, they look at Asian people, they're all the same, they're all Chinese. I felt a lot of time invisible in the conversation mm. where I'm the only female there. And I feel like, oh, even when I speak, but yeah, not and that's it. Just acknowledge, but wouldn't count in my opinion. And, uh, and just based, basically because I'm, I'm female and also because I'm Asian. I think Vietnam is a very philanthropic country. All of us, each of the Vietnamese person, were always willing to do charity. Always. We would always want to keep something, help someone. But then it never, it's not to the professional level. Like we need to look at it more seriously instead of just helping because we can help. Maybe we could do like a, I don't know, a free hug, simple thing. It doesn't cost money. Or go for, do create a run and then raise money for a cancer council of Victoria. It doesn't have to be other country. It doesn't have to be or the island, it can be this country. I don't mind helping who because there are people who need help everywhere in the world, even in a developed country. So I stopped working for the hotel and I thought, what is the one thing that I like doing? I like people. I'm a people person, very, very extroverted. And I got the energy from people. I like to bring people together. And if I could do that to help other people, perfect. I'm really proud of what we achieved so far. We would have uh, a social impact networking. That's the original idea. On top of that, we have Social Change Maker Academy focused in education related to personal development and soft skills that would help with social impact. I identify as a transgender male, so I have a female past. I've been transitioned for almost 20 years. I was living in San Francisco. I was part of an organization called Lou Sullivan Society. A lot of the trans activism I was doing was education, going to high school and speak with students. It wasn't much later until 
I found myself with a group of gay men. We started having this conversation because they were fascinated with how comfortable they felt with me being a lesbian. And I think that's when the light bulb came up. It's like, well, I'm so comfortable. It's because I am like them. I do identify as male. The way that I feel it is being portrayed and people who are against this wokeness, they're still not getting the picture. They're being presented with views that it challenges them too much. They don't want to be a part of it, to, to take the effort to learn something of another person. I did a particular march in San Francisco for a protest and walking down Market Street, lines of police officers following us and just thinking, why, why are we still doing this? Why are we still doing these marches? Why is the state closely lining this peaceful protest? Let's say Vietnamese, because I live in Vietnam, as far as like they're knowledgeable of or even expecting. I'm almost 50. So when it comes to LGBT issues being here in Vietnam, I do communicate with younger people. They are a little bit more on the pulse of what's happening. Coming into Saigon, living down a hymn in a tight little community and having this family adopt me and the mom be a mom. It's like always feeding me, making sure that I'm okay, asking about me and I just feel loved. And what a great spot to be in in Vietnam. We have replaced your regularly scheduled host with myself. Yes, the one and only most listened to guest on this very podcast, which is three years old. My name is J.K. Hobson, and this is 7 Million Bikes. And we, we recorded your first podcast in a fort. And then Adri was knocking on the door for maybe an hour. <laughs> When I went out the room, AJ, I looked at my phone and AJ and Biscuit were sitting on the steps outside the door. She was sitting there like a homeless lady with her homeless dog. <laughs> when Luz and Kim were still my best friends, but I never sit down and have an in-depth conversation with them and probe and ask questions and get to know more about them. We're, we're too busy making podcasts and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to you have a conversation with Neil, you better do his damn podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My first ever day teaching, I had to teach jobs. One of the jobs was journalism, which in a Scottish accent, I understand comes out weird. American accent, journalism. Just, every time you do an American accent, the same thought comes to my head is, this guy knows how to speak English <laughs> and chooses not to for the entire day. My first encounter with Neil, my memory of, memory of it is very like, hey, mister. Hey, mister, wait a minute. Did that really happen to you? Like that kind of thing. Like going down the stairs at Pew Pew, you know what I mean? Needs massive, global, directed, worldwide change. And we see that already makes a difference when the governments get together and they're like, right, we're going to do this. It works, you know? I can feel the libertarians. I can, <laughs> I can feel them out there like, oh, <laughs> But I do tell you the first ever time I showed up at the Hard Rock Cafe with my guitar yeah. and I'm just like, I'm about to fucking do a gig at Hard Rock <laughs> Cafe and musical comedy. So I'll yeah. just never remember that feeling. I that, that felt like a rock star at that point. I went to report my phone being stolen and they wouldn't let me in because I had shorts on. 
Like I've been here six years and I wasn't prepared for it. And when I told people, they were like, yeah, it's a government building. You can't go in with shorts on. And I'm like, it's a police station. I don't think of it as a government building. Like, so what if I had a knife in my side? They'd be like, no, you can't come in because you have shorts on. Well, you know what, folks? That's all you get of Neil Mackay right now. But I think there is a special announcement that Neil wants to make about the future of 7 million bikes. Yeah, I do. I have, uh, I've told a few people this already. So big announcement is... I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.